Okay, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. And this morning we're going to look at verses 13 through 17, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Do a little bit of a review while you're turning there. We're asking the question, how do we win the game of life, right? How do we win the game? And God tells us there's a way I can live my life, and if I live my life that way, I will win. I will have the joy and the peace and the love that He will provide through His Spirit. And how do I do that? Started in 1 Peter chapter 1, we want to be born again. We need God to save us from our sin. We need Him to make us alive who are spiritually dead. And you do that, you win the game. That was the first morning. Second morning, we talked about living out being children of the Heavenly Father and what that looks like. Once you're born again, you're born into His family, there's a new set of responsibilities. There's a way that you should live as a child of God. And we looked at that. Set your hope in God's grace. Be holy like He is holy and fear God. You do that, you live your life those three ways, you live out your new life in Christ those ways, you will win, you will win. Yesterday we talked about desiring the Word of God, desiring the Word of God, that we need as God's children to be devoted to turning from sin, turning away from the desires of our wicked heart toward the desire for God's Word which will cause us to grow as Christians. It's that turning process, that repentance each day where God transforms our hearts as we approach Him through His Word with the Spirit of God in us. So we want to desire the Word. And this morning we're going to talk about, you can see in your books, you win the game when you submit to authority. You win the game when you submit to authority. Now, you understand that teenagers... Junior hires, high schoolers, you know, I'm 30 and I'm kind of still in this boat. Young people are not known for their willingness to submit. You're actually known for the exact opposite. That there's a very common trend that happens as you reach that teenage area that we actually become really unsubmissive. We become defiant towards authority. And God in His Word tells us that that is not how a child of God should live. That's not how you win the game. We sometimes, as young people, and I'm you know, kindly grouping myself in with young people on this discussion, I feel like I'm 15, okay? And I think I'm mature like a 10-year-old, so it works out. It all balances out. We really like to prove our own case, to stand our ground, We're not right, or we're not wrong, they're wrong. We're always right. And maybe it's your relationship at home with a parent. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's your counselor this week. Maybe it's a coworker or a boss if you have a job. I know you're a little young for that, but you might. I worked for my dad on the farm from the moment I could lift a sack of corn, you know. We don't like to willingly submit to those authorities in our life. We really like to defy them, like to live our own life. We like to be outside of authority. But what Peter reminds believers of here in in 1 Peter 2 is that if you want to win the game, you can't defy authority. You can't. 
If you want to win the game, you have to have a heart that is characterized by humility and submissiveness. Okay, so let's look at the verses. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. If you're looking in your booklet, number one, submit to all authority. The phrase used in verse 13 is anything created by man. That's the literal phrase. Human institution, it's the word for creation with man. So it's any type of human created government. Anything. Like a speeding law. Like you can't drive more than 70 miles an hour on this road. That would be something that man created. Okay? Anything. Any type of authority created by humans, what does he say? Be subject for the Lord's sake to all of them. You know, that's a pretty simple statement. As a believer, you should have a submissive heart to every authority. If you want to write down a cross-reference, we're not going to turn to it. There's a reason why we want to be subject to human government. Romans 13 is the cross-reference, if you want to write this down. It actually says there that every authority, just like here, it's all human institutions, Romans 13 says that every authority in your life is placed there by God. There's not one human institution that is outside of God's sovereignty. That doesn't mean that they're all right, that they always have the right laws, that they're all morally pure, There's actually some human government uh, institutions, some kings who are very evil. That's not the point that God tries to make. We don't get a pass when the person over us is wrong. He's directing his thought to the believer and saying, you should be submissive. You should be willing to honor that authority for the sake of your testimony to the Lord even if it goes against everything you feel is right, you should be willing to submit. Now, there are some specific cases where you, know, you never want to sin. So if the government's asking you to sin or an authority in your life is asking you to do something that God's word tells you is wrong, you shouldn't sin if you know that it's sin. But we don't like to make, exception, we don't like to make rules based off of exceptions. Generally, in the life of a believer, if you are born again, you are a child of God, your response to authority should be to humble yourself and submit. Very simple. So he continues here, and he actually says a very interesting phrase in verse 15. One of the reasons that you want to submit to human institutions, those authorities placed in your life, is it's a way that you show them who God is. It's a testimony Look at verse 15 again. This is the will of God, 
That's a very strong statement. Another way of saying it is, God wants you to. God wants you, desires for you to submit. Do you ever wonder what God wants you to do in a situation? Man, my parents are really bugging me. I'm just, I, I don't know what to do here. I'm fighting with my parents all the time. God, what do you want me to do? This tells you exactly what he wants you to do. This is God's will. Struggling with an authority figure, he wants you to submit. It's that simple. Well, what do, what do I need to do right now, Lord? Humble yourself. <laughs> submit to that teacher. Submit to that parent. Submit to that counselor. Submit to that rule. Well, you don't understand. God does understand. This is the will of God. That you submit, and by doing that, by doing good, you notice that in verse 15? He calls submission good. As you submit, you're doing good, and by doing that, you put the silent, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Even if your authority is wrong, you're right. If they did something wrong and you were perfect, by submitting to them, you're doing something that God says is good and you actually silence the wrong, you silence the evil by living out your faith through submission to authority. You know, we have an example in scripture of this that is perfect. Absolutely flawless submission to authority when the person who was submitting did nothing wrong. Anybody think they know who that example is? Jesus. You could write down, if you want another cross-reference, we're not going to turn to it, but Philippians chapter 2. And it talks about there how he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. This is God. He's equal with God. He's fully divine. The creator of the universe. This is the one person who does not deserve death. Holy, perfect, flawless Jesus Christ. And he's willing to submit, humble himself to obey God's plan to redeem you. He's willing to submit. And guess what? He didn't do anything wrong. The suffering that Christ went through as your Savior was 100% unjust suffering. There was found no sin in him. There's no reason that he was being punished on the cross other than his humility to God's plan of redemption for a world of sinners. And we're supposed to follow his example. Actually, you want to know what being spiritually mature is? Someone who's grown to be spiritually mature, it's this. It's someone who's willing to go through unjust suffering for no other reason than the glory of God being revealed in their life. Most believers don't want to go through suffering unless it reveals their own glory. Like, you don't know how bad my day was today. Wow, let me tell you, let me complain about how bad my life is and how, how great I am. That's typically how we talk. A spiritually mature believer is someone that's willing to submit themselves to all human authorities, even when the authority is wrong and they are right. And they do that for no other reason 
than to display the glory of God to a lost world. And if you do that as a child of God, you win. Even if it costs you your life. There are many, many believers throughout the history of the church that were killed by their government. And I think there's many that were faithful to submit and display God's glory even as they continued to worship and it cost them their lives. That might be you someday. Are you willing to live a life of submission to display God's glory to this world? If you do, you win. Now, we keep going. Look at verse 16. Verse 16. It says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So we just celebrated a few weeks ago Independence Day, right? The 4th of July, we like to blow stuff up and eat hundreds of hot dogs. It's America, right? Now, I, went, uh, I was out in Arizona in a very patriotic town for the 4th of July, and their parade, this parade put every other parade I've ever seen to shame. It's like an hour and a half long parade. And there were guys in full army getup carrying you know, all the rifles and wearing the camo, like walking the streets. It was awesome. American flags everywhere. Freedom. And sometimes we think of freedom as this idea that I can do whatever I want. I'm free. You can't tell me what to do. And you think about Independence Day. You know, there's kind of this glorified idea of America where we're like, you know what? If, if you remember from history class, I know maybe some of you probably have had history before. Great Britain is over us, right? And we're like, we don't like your tea anymore, and we dump it into the harbor, and then it's like, we're free, we're going to do what we want. You can't tell us what to do anymore. And as Americans, we hold that as a virtue of like, we are free. Home of the brave, you can't tell me what to do. That's not the idea of biblical freedom. When it says freedom here in this verse, live as though you're free. Look, I can do whatever I want. No. He actually qualifies freedom very specifically in verse 16. You are free. You are free. But don't use freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. What freedom is, biblically, is that you now, as a child of God, can choose to do the right thing because you love doing what's right. Before you were born again, you were bound in sin. You are a slave of sin, as Romans describes. You're not free. Your soul is spiritually dead, and everything you do is governed by your sin nature. When God causes you to be born again, he frees you spiritually. You're no longer bound to make sinful choices. You can choose to do what's right because you love doing what's right. There's a change of who you are as you're freed from the power of sin. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about, I can do whatever I want, I can own whatever guns I want and kill whatever I want, go hunting, fishing, you know, fly the flag. That's not what he's talking about. 
He's saying, yeah, you're a free person. You should never use your spiritual freedom as a means to do something that's wrong. In the context of this passage, what he means is you should never say, I'm free as a Christian, I don't have to listen to you. To use your freedom as a Christian to not be submissive is wrong. To say, I am God's, I don't have to listen to any of you, that would not be good. The character of a Christian should be to submit. And Peter knows that proud, free people will easily use that idea of freedom to defy authority. Now, I don't want you to raise hands or say, yeah, me, or raise, you know, I want you, I want you to think about something. Have you, as a young person, so I'm, I'm speaking to the junior hires, but counselors will be able to relate to this too. A phrase I've heard at camp all the time, you can't tell me what to do, you're not my parent. I've said that. I came to camps when I was your age. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my dad. That's not how a Christian operates. That's how the flesh operates. A Christian, regardless of the human institution of authority, should respond by submitting, humbling themselves, using our freedom as believers, our spiritual freedom, not to exalt our own desires, but using our freedom to do what we know is right because that's God's will. That's winning the game. Choosing to submit to authority because you know that's good. And by the way, when you submit to authority, I think that that is a way that God protects us in life when we stay underneath the authorities that he has aligned for our lives, it's a means of keeping us safe. Now, not always, because there are wicked rulers. But I think in general, in our country, we follow those laws, they keep us safe. Another way of saying that is it's very wise to follow laws. It's very wise to submit to authority. It's not wise to drive 150 miles an hour on Interstate 80. That law is actually helpful. That's not really the point. You know, I don't drive 150 miles an hour, I promise. The point is that a Christian should have a heart of submission. Now, you see now, number four in your booklet, I just love how this little passage concludes. Short, sweet little statements. Okay, you see that? You have A, B, C, D in your book, and it corresponds to verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. You see those there? There's your four blanks. Very simple statements. And I, what I like about this is it's easy to remember. The next time you're in a situation where you're struggling with an authority figure in your life, a parent, a teacher, something like that, maybe your counselor the last, you know, like 30 hours you're here at camp, the next time you're in a situation where authority and submission is a struggle, remember this. What do I do when I'm struggling with authority? 
Honor everyone. That word for honor is actually a way that you assign value. It can be used of making like a transaction, paying for something. So you place a value, there's like a price tag on something. That This word is used in a very similar way to that. So when you honor someone, you're, you're valuing them. Very similar to Philippians 2, you're putting someone else's needs above your own. So you're in a situation where you're struggling with authority. What do you do? Am I honoring everyone here? Am I valuing all of these people? Think about your cabin this week when you're disobeying a rule. It's lights out and you're being the loud one. Are you honoring everyone in that cabin? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Now, I say that as the kid, when I came to camp, I was the one that kept us all up, okay? I understand what that's like. Look at the next one. Love the brotherhood. The brotherhood here, the brethren, is probably a term for other believers, but I think you could extend that principle to everyone. Am I valuing everyone? Am I loving everyone? When I choose to disobey authority, am I being loving to other people in my life? For me, where this really intersected my life as a teenager was with my dad. This was with my dad. There are commands in scripture to honor your parents and you should honor and love your parents and realize every time you step out from the authority of your parents, you're doing a hateful act. You're not loving them. And I know that there's always an exception to the rule. Some of you maybe don't have both parents or maybe one of your parents isn't a believer and they actually could be very cruel to you. In fact, I would say that that was my dad. (laughs) My dad wasn't a believer and I think he was very mean until he got saved. I think there were times that he disciplined me and he shouldn't have. But I also know that there were times that I willfully stepped out of his authority in my life and it was hate. I wasn't loving him. I wasn't honoring him. I struggled with that as a teenager to honor the authority that God had placed in my life and my parents. That's not how a Christian lives. As a Christian teenager, you want to live out being a child of God. You want to win the game. Submit to your parents' authority. And you know, I don't know if this registers, I don't know if it connects with you or not, but when I say, I've said this a couple of times in chapel already, when I say my dad was my best friend, I mean it. He was my closest friend. God gave that to every family. That's the design. You shouldn't have this distant, absent feeling of your parent. Now, sometimes... It's not all your fault. Sometimes parents make mistakes, and actually probably a lot of times. In my case, both my dad and I weren't believers, and that really fractured our relationship. But what started to mend that relationship with my dad was me submitting. I went to youth group one night, and we had a lesson very similar to this. Hey, are you submitting to your parents' authority? And I knew no. Right before I went to youth group that night, my dad and I had a huge fight. I was yelling at him, telling him he was wrong. I stormed out the door and went to Bible class, went to youth group. You know, that's what holy people do, right? You have a fight right before you go to church. 
And I knew I was wrong. And you know what, had to, what I had to do to make that right? I had to go back and submit to my father. I had to confess. I had to admit to him I was wrong and ask for forgiveness. I was 16 years old and I had never told my dad, dad, I was wrong, will you forgive me? I had never said that. And that night, that was the start of him being my best friend. I mean that. I would, if, if there was one person I could go spend time with, spend one hour with, it'd be my dad. I have other buddies, Cameron, Taylor, Tyler, you know, Sawyer, Joey. There's some of my buddies right now. I like spending time with them, but my dad was my best friend. And that was built with submission. And you might hear me think that and you're like, there is no way my mom or my dad will be my best friend. That can't happen, Charlie. It can. It can. You have no idea the power that God's grace can do in your relationship with your parents. And you're not responsible to make sure that they change. I guarantee you God is working in the lives of your parents, but they're not here at camp. (laughs) You are. I guarantee you that submitting to those authorities will be a win for you. Maybe it won't work out the same way that it worked out for me, But I can tell you that's God's will. Submitting to your parents, loving them. Letter C we talked about yesterday, (laughs) or two days ago now, I guess. Fearing God. Remember what fearing God was. It's respecting him first. So recognize when you have an earthly authority, a parent, a teacher, a counselor, whatever it is, and you're willing to step outside of that earthly authority, what you're actually doing is stepping outside of God's authority. Romans 13 again, every authority is placed by God. Every one of them, God has put there. And if you're willing to step out from the earthly authority, you're actually making a decision that is not fearing the Lord. And I know there's exceptions to every rule, Generally, when you're willing to defy authority, you're not fearing God. Proverbs would say that you're being foolish. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 1.7. And what does that look like? Submission to authority. Last one, the end of verse 17, honor the emperor. Another way you could say that is honor the king. That's the top ruler in the Roman Government, honor them, value them. You know, in America, we have a little bit different system. We don't have an emperor, we don't have a king, we have a president, we have the Supreme Court, we have those institutions. And it's really easy as Christians when our very worldly government typically makes a decision that we disagree with, the last thing we want to do is honor them. We love to say how we're right and they're wrong. We love to point out the logical inconsistencies that exist. How often do we honor those authorities in the way we interact in our relationships? Do we pray for them? Are we willing to submit ourselves even if we disagree? I think that a Christian would be willing to submit. That should be the desire of our heart to do good through submission to earthly authority, to honor the Lord and show him to other people. 
There was a, one time when I was a high school student that this really became clear to me that this was an issue in my own life. I think I was a junior in high school, which I know that's maybe a few years older than you right now. I had become a believer when I was 16. And man, I was excited about sharing the gospel with my friends. I went to youth group every week. I went to church every Sunday. I went to Bible camp. I did it all. And I thought, man, I am doing what God wants me to do. I'm, I'm witnessing to people in my school, in my town. And there was one day one of my youth leaders pulled me aside. This was at school. This youth leader, he was a high school teacher. And he had overheard a conversation in the teacher break room. And my math teacher was in the break room, and so was my youth group sponsor. And this math teacher was complaining about a student who wouldn't listen, who wouldn't submit to authority, who would never follow the rules in the classroom. And my youth leader was listening to this and was like, man, that, kid's, that, that kid sounds horrible. Guess who it was? It was me. My lack of submission to that teacher became a horrible testimony to every other teacher in that school. And I was a Christian. And when that teacher was sharing that with me, my youth sponsor, it broke my heart. Because I thought I was living a life that was a great testimony to the people around me. And what I realized was that this area of my life, my lack of submission to authority, was actually hurting my testimony for the gospel. And, you know, I had to make that right. Most of you junior hires are entering a phase of life where it's going to be really cool to disobey authority. You're going to feel the pressure of your buddies on that team, those classmates at school, maybe your siblings at home. You're going to feel the pressure to slip out from under authority because that's what's cool. And I'm telling you, you cannot look at these verses and believe that. You want your life to be characterized by a gentle, peaceable, joyful heart of submission. And if you'll live your life that way, you'll see more door, doors open than close. People really like to be around submissive, humble people. They don't like to be around proud people. If you really want to make an impact, you want your testimony to affect unsaved people in your community, you don't want to be prideful. You want to be submissive. You want people to see in you the same character of Christ, the character of Christ that submitted himself to obedience to death on a cross he didn't deserve. You want that life of Jesus to be manifested in your life, and that will come as you learn to submit to authority. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I'm going to ask you again, don't just pack up your stuff and listen to me pray, okay? Here's what I want you to think about and pray about as I pray out loud. First, I want you to think about what types of authorities are in your life right now. Okay, don't, don't lose me here. You can pack up in about a minute. You're fine. Just chill. Just chill. Stay with me. 
Think about what authorities are present in your life. Okay? Just kind of try to make a list. And then try to ask yourself, do I honor and love those people? Do I submit to those authorities in my life? Is there a pattern of humility and submission? Or is there a pattern of pride and defiance? And the great thing is, is, you know, if you're anything like me, you're going to find some defiance in there in your heart. God and his grace extends to every time we disobey, every time we're defiant to authority. Just like yesterday, part of the process of growth isn't perfection, it's recognizing the error and repenting. Each day you should be asking yourself, am I living a submissive life? And when God reveals an area that's not submissive, oh, I'm really struggling with my mom or my dad right now. I'm, I'm really struggling to obey their authority. Today, it might be your count, counselors, plug your ears, you know, it might be your counselor. I don't know. Maybe it's that camp rule here that just grinds your gears. I don't know. You're struggling with something that's an authority over you. You recognize that, man, I'm really struggling with that. You can turn away from that. Turn to Christ and he will change you. And that is how God transforms and grows us. So as I close in prayer, think about those two things. What are the authorities and how am I responding to them? Is there a pattern of humble submission or defiance? And if you have struggled with that, cry out to the Lord for help and he will. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word again. And God, just thinking about how you have worked in my own life in this area. God, thank you for the struggles. God, thank you for the authority figures in my life. My bosses at work. My mom. My pastors. God, thank you for how you, how you have used them in my life to reveal areas of needed change. And God, I do pray that I would have a heart of humility and submission rather than defiance to authority. God, I pray for all of these junior hires here. And as they're thinking about those who are in authority in their life and how they typically respond, God, I pray that you'd open their eyes to the paths of wisdom. I pray that they would have beautiful and God-honoring relationships with their parents because they have hearts of submission to authority. God, I pray that they would be testimonies of Christ and the gospel in their school because they're willing to submit and they're honoring and loving to their teachers, to their coaches. I don't know if they have jobs yet, but someday they will. And God, I pray that their coworkers and their bosses would see Christ through the way that they submit, that they, through the way that they value other people. God, I pray that you would give us the eyes of faith to see that in our own hearts, see when we're deviating from your plan of submission. And God, help us to honor everyone 
Help us to honor the king in our world. God, help us to honor our government. God, help us to love everyone and to fear you. And God, I pray that as we do that, we would display Christ to other people. God, I ask that you would bless the conversation as they go to cabin follow-up time. And uh, God, just continue to bless our time here at camp, bless our fellowship together as we spend one last full day together. As always, Lord, I pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.